Well, kia ora everybody and welcome back or welcome to the Canterbury Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. Today we're joined by um, two awesome guests um, currently doing some really amazing and big things in the female rugby space um, within our community here in Canterbury. Uh, so we've got Liz Worthington who is um, on the screen and Next to me, Mr. James Sprott. Oh, Josh Sprott. Jeez, James. <laughs> That's a new one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Sprotty. So um, just a little intro of, of Liz. So Liz is our amazing uh, female in school RDO here at the Rugby Union, but she's also just recently been appointed as the FPC development coach or the women's development coach. Well done. Thanks, and she's a big evangelist for female um, female rugby and female sports, um, and just help growing the game and growing that female female space as much as she can with her awesome outlook on why not um, or why can't this happen. So it's it's cool to have you on, Liz. And then old Sprotty next to me, he's um, he's got a huge list of things that he's done, but most recently. Um, UC Premier Women's Team Coach. He's also worked for the Ford Foundation and currently got a role at Sport Canterbury. Yeah. And so he's, um, again, another big advocate for female rugby, um, but you also find him on the five-metre line um, during the touch <laughs> season as well. So um, if you're looking for some nimble feet, my man's got you. So um, welcome both. How are we all? Fantastic, I'm feeling after that intro, man. I'm, I'm feeling on top of the world. Uh, the girls actually that I've been coaching this, I, I lost my boots, right? I lost my boots this year. It was my own fault. I left them in, uh, in the car park at, at UC, and then so they were, they were black. And I've always, the last few few years, I've had black boots. And so this year, I decided uh, that's it. I'm going to go for the brightest boots I can. I can find so that I never lose them again. So I've got bright orange boots. The girls give me crap for it, but um, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, the nimble feet. <laughs> you've, got they, the, you've got the boots to match them now. Uh, I do. I yeah. do. Yeah. Cool. Just got to match the, the actual nimble feet. Awesome. <laughs> and things well with you, Liz? I know that we've only just seen each other about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think things are good. Ticking away, obviously, being busy working on this um, FBC Canterbury Development Women's piece. Yeah. Um, so awesome to get the green light on that this week um, and get the girls out on the grass and ready for our first game this weekend. Cool, amazing, awesome work. Hey, um, I guess the the best way that we can get our community kind of introduced to who you guys are um, is maybe you can paint us a wee picture and or take us on a wee journey of like how you guys got into coaching. Um, Liz, do you want to kick us off? What was your what was your coaching journey? Uh, yeah, so my coaching journey started, gosh, be almost six years ago now. Um, had been playing some rugby uh, out at BDI, uh, their women's team out there, uh, played for the season, finished up, had a really, really great time, um, and then found out that I was expecting our third child, uh, so potentially not wise to continue playing. No. Um, and then the local college had not long opened and they were trying to promote uh, girls rugby and was looking for a coach to come on board and uh, support their, their teacher slash coach. They already had their um, Hayley Tip lady. And so I jumped on board. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll give that a crack. And 
you know, got into it and really liked it and really liked that development piece. And then um, at the time, uh, sort of Canterbury, Ellesmere, we were trying to work on a piece on developing club rugby in the weekend for girls that were under the age of 16. Um, so I jumped on that and was really passionate um, on helping get that off the ground, um, sort of became the coach of the Ellesmere under-16 girls, which progressed into being taken on by Prebleton, um, coached there, and then headed out to Lincoln Uni um, when I decided I wanted to kind of move up into women's. Um, and then inside that space as well, I've done some coaching in the Canterbury under-18 girls space alongside uh, Scotty as well, which has been really, really exciting. and. Um, just the more I got into coaching, the more I just absolutely like loved it. I loved watching um, the girls grow and develop. Um, and it's just a space I've become really passionate about. So definitely hung up the boots and now just 100% focused on that coaching piece. Oh, awesome. That's, re- that's real wicked. Uh, Sproddy, how about yourself, bro? How do you get it, find yourself with Whistle? Yeah, yeah well, coaching was something that I'd never really thought of of really going down because I was always well like like Liz I was I was always into into playing my sport I actually grew up playing hockey and uh, you may have heard just before playing a bit of touch footy and and football or pretty much any, everything that, that any uh, Kiwi kid gets to gets to try so uh, jack of all trades master of master of certainly none of them and um, it wasn't until I think I was at university that oh this is what 20 2011 I had a phone call out of the blue from the Middleton Grange sports coordinator around coaching their um, their senior girls hockey team, and again, I I didn't I didn't really want to, but I said yes because that's what I do, right? Yeah. As uh, as I say yes, and um, and that that began, I suppose, a, a ten or well, you know, uh, 11, 11 year journey of coaching females and through sports. So whether it was through hockey or, or touch, um, predominantly in those first early years, I didn't actually coach, uh, I didn't actually coach rugby until 2018. I ended up, uh, it, was, it was my ex-girlfriend, she, her uncle, he coached an under 12s team because um, his son played in them. And I thought, oh man, I'd, I'd love to, you know, love to help you out. Me being me, yeah. wanting to, <laughs> wanted to extend myself and, and help others. And, and um, I was I was in a pretty uh, I wasn't enjoying the the role I was in in terms of my work or my career because uh, I, I was working in a different sector to what I am now uh, HR and health and safety yeah shout out to all those who love <laughs> HR and health and safety um, so yeah and then uh, from from there um, obviously once I started coaching one of my one of my close friends Jimmy Sinclair the the master coach he. Um, you know, he was in my ear for for the next four years, as well as getting to meet some some really awesome people like um, like BB and uh, and Mike Wilson as well, who, who have really shaped shaped my coaching career. Liz has had a has had a big part of that, and um, as well as Whitney Hanson. So I've been well supported uh, along along the way. Um, but yeah, I never really I never really played rugby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So everything about rugby, everything I know about rugby, I've learned in the last four years but um you know what I've learned in the last four years is potentially more than what some might learn in a lifetime based on who I've got to connect with so um, I'm really grateful for the relationships and opportunities that I've had um through my coaching journey so far yeah that's that's um both of those stories are real epic HR to HR to coaching I couldn't imagine geez you're um 
That is a big leap going from, <laughs> from paperwork to, to grass. So um, it's, I know that's awesome. It's funny because yeah. uh, working in HR and, and particularly health and safety, yeah. you can imagine that whenever I walked in a room, people would walk out. Yeah. Uh, but now yeah. it's, it's, people the op- stay. it's the opposite. <laughs> you know, people are actually asking me yeah. to come into the room. So, yeah. no, nah, it was a no-brainer, really. Yeah. Because even yourself, Liz, you were with early childhood. I can remember my, having to drop my my youngest off to you and your capable hands and stuff like that. So that's, that's also kind of a big, big shift, isn't it? Within, within your life to go from early childhood into, into the sporting environment or full noise rugby environment. Yeah, it was a big shift and a big change. I had been sort of teaching in that uh, AC environment for nearly, I think 15 years. Um, So yeah, a big piece of my life was that. And um, I just think through the opportunities I got with coaching and building those connections and like Spotty said, like just meeting some really epic, great people just like led to an opportunity to get in the doors at um, very few um, yeah. and to be in my current role because I think growing up I'd never thought I'd, I'd work in sport. Like it was not a, 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 a something at the top of my head or, or anything like that. I was like, oh, cool, we'll go teaching or uh, maybe become a midwife or something like that. And yeah, yeah, Rugby just just opened quite a few doors for me, which has been really exciting. No, that's that's awesome. Hey, um, this whole and we talked at this before we hit record. Um, we talked about the the conversations that we're about to have is just around coaching females. So I guess um, I'll I'll chuck this question to you first of all, Sproddy. Being a male and in the coaching, in the female space, how daunted were you? Obviously, you've done it for a wee while now, but how daunting was it for you to become a, decide to go down that female coaching space? Yeah, great. As a male. Great question. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, like I mentioned before in, in that intro, I, um, I had a phone call about whether I wanted to coach, you know, and, um, some, a group of high school girls playing playing hockey, and I, I didn't even factor that in. That they were that they were girls. Um, it was more that I actually want to to coach. And once I once I said yes, um, I, I guess that started that started a, a lifelong love of of being engaged with and and coaching young females and uh, or just yeah just young women and, and females in, in general. So um, I guess I personally. Never felt that feeling of of um, oh goodness what am I what am I getting into this is crazy I've always felt really accepted and I feel um, I guess that comes down to to me being to me being me and uh, being quite open to uh, building relationships and, and really um, like that's that's the big part for me is is building the relationship and I think that's where I've found I've found success and where I've where I haven't found success, I I can reflect and, and say that maybe maybe it was a relationship piece that didn't work so well because um, co- coaching females is as you know they're people yeah people and and there are obvious obvious differences. Um, one thing one thing I did learn is that uh, that the, the females they love a hooey yeah um, so. I guess in a in a male environment, which I suppose I was always a player, and I never I never have coached in a in a male environment. But um, it's it's around the the boys 
the boys have to do yeah. things to learn, whereas whereas the girls or to feel valued. Yeah. And and the girls side of the game, it's around um, providing them that opportunity to to discuss and um, and they get value from from being a part of a discussion or, or feeling a part of the part of the conversation, part of the group. Yeah. And so that's that's certainly one thing that I've taken away over the past ten years is provide the opportunity for for young women to have their say and um and yeah provide them opportunity to feel valued in, in that space yeah that's yeah that's real cool and i guess probably liz um it's probably touched on something real cool there around that relationship how important or around building relationships and building connections how important is that for i guess like in coaching in general, it's it's pretty important. Is there any differences that you've seen when you've been in like your coaching environments around that relationship piece? Like how important is is that within the female space? Like is there any more importance? That was a very um, Yeah, I I guess I guess over the years and spending time in an array of different environments, like absolutely is is a really important piece, whether it's in the female game or or, or the male game. I think We've got into a space now where we are, are really mindful and acknowledge that um, girls really thrive on like knowing the person before the player. Um, and girls often, I guess, um, like run on emotions and they potentially will overthink a situation and being able to have really good um, sort of communication and a relationship with, with a coach or, or leadership girls within a team or whatever it may be it does create great value to the overall environment you are trying to create. Um, I think like just recently we've seen a lot of shift across the game in, in the male space as well and that's becoming really like prominent on how important it is actually on building those relationships. Um, for me like it's something we often will promote in the female game is that you, you know you can kind of come in and coach these girls but um, ultimately if you, you build that relationship you, you're going to have great outcomes and those girls will continue to show up they'll put in the extra effort for you they'll return the next year and and to me like that success as a coach it's it's not about getting out and winning competitions it's about getting out and getting the best out of your players and then returning so um yeah valued piece uh and coaching but yeah across the board not just females yeah yeah you it's um it's awesome to hear that it's not just that it's not just kind of just in females that it is also in that and well it crosses over doesn't it everything interlinks like as soon as we make a connection with somebody and we can build that trust um and you can build like a sense of security like i know that we talk about safety mm-hmm. um a bit but if you build a sense of like security that they feel safe and, and secure within the environment um like you were touching on there liz like you're going to get a lot out of your players and, and you um it's probably, um, said it awesome, or you said it in a really awesome way. Boys feel that value and being able to just do and and that type of stuff. And it's cool, um, I guess, for our coaches in our communities to know that that connection with um, being able to just talk. Like if you can just sit there and talk. I oh, know as coaches we love to talk. <laughs> um, so it's probably it probably almost feeds feeds our own our own. Um, not egos, but our own, our own sense of um, purpose within the group of being, okay, well, if you want to know all the language and you want to know all the terminology and you want to know all the information, I've got to figure here, here it comes. But um, no, that's cool. What's kind of the biggest thing that you see, um, and this question's for you, Liz, 
Um, what's some of the biggest things that you see out in the community within this female space that um, it's just super rewarding when you see these girls out playing and, and what their coaches are doing? Like, are there any coaches that you think, mate, they're doing some outstanding stuff? And feel free to highlight them as well. Yeah, I mean, we've got some really great, great coaches out within the women's game um, or female game in general. It's probably a space that uh, can be a struggle sometimes to get resource into. Um, a lot of people, I guess, are unsure or um, maybe not as interested as um, jumping into the male's game. Um, so when we do get some of those champions into our game, like we absolutely um, just really appreciate it, acknowledge and just try and support where we can. Um yeah, we've got some some really great people in our clubs that have put in some really great time and energy and they're there for the right reasons. Um, obviously, Sproddy himself, that's why he's here today, um, has done some great stuff and really prominent on building those relationships, like massive on, on knowing that person before the player. Um, you know, both him and Mike create a really great fun environment where the girls are, um, whether or not... In our female game, you know, we don't have multiple grades. So we have girls coming in from all ranges of experience. Um, so, you know, it may be just sharing some language or terminology or, or uplifting or giving a new player some confidence to really like probably pushing those experience skills that have been playing rugby since they were five. Um, and you, you can tell um, the great environment they've created by, you know, those relationships they have with those girls. Um yeah, across across the board, we've got some some great people. Um, sort of, and inside high school, old boys, the RDO there, Jamie Livingston and, and his wife Anna, um, have done some great things. Um, in the female space, they're both really really passionate. Um, Livo also is doing some stuff at Girls High and has been for a few years, and and sinking a bit of time and energy. Um, to me, the bigger stuff that I see out there is probably the stuff that happens off the grass. Um, we all know sometimes once we hit the grass, we do get a little bit competitive and that nature sets in. Um, but that's that's the nature of the game. Like these are competition grades and at the end of the day, you are you are playing to, to have success. Um, so, so for me, the stuff that I see is really great is all the off the grass. Um, it might be just, you know, trainings or social connections or um, the joking around they have with each other and, you know, that type of stuff. So... Um, I think we yeah lucky lucky with all our teams, all our clubs that we've got some some really great people. Yeah, Liz raised a really good point there around success, and it's up to I suppose the coaching community to define what success means for for their players and for themselves and, and for their units. So for for some, it is around winning championships and, and medals and things, which is which is fine. But like Liz alluded to, for, for some, it might be around connecting communities or, or starting a new club or um, like helping underprivileged kids or, or helping helping uh, other people just find find a sense of purpose through a, a joint meaning. So, yeah, like re, redefining or, or shifting what success looks like um, and, and being really courageous and, and brave around challenging, uh, I suppose, the, the traditional mindsets around um, the competitive nature of things and it's it's tough because we know like levels of perspective so so mental models are always pretty pretty tough to to shift but it only takes one person to you know to be courageous or to to throw out a question or throw out a, a tricky statement to to help that shift happen so yeah redefining success uh, that's that's something that's probably helped me in the last few years with coaching was 
was going, all right, well, I'm, I'm focusing a lot on, or I'm, I'm defining how good I am as a coach on winning and losing as opposed to, um, you know, how many, how many things I know about my players. So if I know three, three facts about my players, then to me, as a coach, that's success to the team. It might not be. They might go, oh, that Josh guy is always bloody. Always being a bit nosy, yeah. Yeah, being a bit nosy, but it's just, yeah, it's because that's what I, I define success as. Yeah. And that's and that's probably a real wicked, um, wicked way to frame it. Like we've had this conversation heaps around redefining success. Um, and you can look at it from a club level around winning premierships and and stuff like that where like they don't really celebrate the fact that they've been around for 150 years or however many years that they've been around, that there's success. Like businesses look at like the amount of dollars that they make, but actually they probably look at more of the longevity of their business still being relevant mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, and you touched on a really cool point um, around purpose, like a sense of purpose. Like if you can make something a little bit um, bigger than just, outcome because winning is just an outcome eh? like and it's a cool like don't get me wrong I'm competitive as as an expert and like winning's cool um but if you can if you if you can have a greater sense of purpose a you don't kind of feel like you you're let down if you don't win that um win that game or win that championship or that title but um maybe it's because I haven't won so many so I'm, I'm kind of accustomed to it but um but if there is a bigger picture, like there seems to be a bigger buy-in and a big connection and, and almost or as, as well. To go back to um, one of the coaches that you were talking about, Liz, like Livo, like I've seen the dude in action working with those Christchurch High Girls and like he is outstanding. Like the way that he, um, I think for like, and he's a big dude as well, like big as in like he's, a lot taller than me he's an ex-front rower um (laughs) but like he's like he's he's super comfortable around them um which is quite cool to see the language that he uses wicked they're all you go in there he just knows how to really create a wicked environment for the girls and for the girls that he's coaching and they just thrive off it and they feed off it and and that type of stuff and you just see you can kind of see how dominant they've been with um in recent years because of I guess it comes down to that work that Livo's put into them um but he does he cares about them on a different like he still wants them to be able to catch and pass and yeah. and, and that's but he you can see that he cares about them because they're trying to get it right so he's going to do his best to make sure that they get it right um so yeah it doesn't matter if you're you're big dude or us guys that are, are the last of the feeding bowl like <laughs> like it's you know you, you can still feel the girls um they just want they also want you to feel comfortable to be able to coach would I be right in saying that Liz? Absolutely and I just think that they the girls just ultimately want you to 100% buy into them like yeah. into the environment into the team it's not you've just ended up here because no one else put their hand up like the girls just like want you to be there and, and someone like Livo is that person and I even kind of thinking about that like Norm out at Kaipui like he's been such a massive driver in their um, women's and under 17 space for such a long time and without those passionate people on our on, on the grass like a woman's space or a female space just wouldn't exist because it takes a lot of driving it takes a lot of pushing it's quite often 
for a long time hasn't been a priority in a lot of our rugby community. So without those key drivers like a, a Norm or a, or a Levi or, you know, like a, a Mike and a Sprotty that are really advocating for the game, like we just can't get anywhere and we, we, we don't get any growth. But over these last few years, like things have really started to change, which is really exciting. Yeah. And um, how important, and I guess we'll, we'll pivot just a little bit, but I'd imagine that there's a lot of girls that are coming into this um, and I had a, we've had a chat with Mike around ages and stages, but it's actually probably at, in the female space, it's probably more abilities and stages. Like you've got girls that are coming and probably you'll probably, um, well, both of you is probably awesome to talk about this. Like you've got someone at UC, someone like Ken, who's now just what the most capped black fern and she comes and plays club rugby, but then you can have like another um, another girl come in and she could be, you know, she might've only been playing for a year. She could have only just picked up a pair of boots and turned up to training on a Tuesday mm. night. Like what, how is probably the, <laughs> like, like how do you, can you talk us through, first of all, Liz, can you talk us through, like, how do you, how, cause that's a wicked challenge, isn't it? To have, to challenge someone like Kenge to be, to be able to like help her grow, but to also cater to this this other athlete, and she's just started, and she just wants to put her boots on and get out there and play. Oh, like Shannon for for example in the in our community team, like in the on the commercial side, like she's just started playing rugby for the first time. How yeah, you yeah, it's honestly it's wicked, and, and that's what the female game is: is that you do have. We, we are lucky that our black ferns are still in our community and in our clubs, and you know, girls get to play alongside them and against them, and and, and gain some knowledge. Um, from the experience they do have. But then, yeah, we do have girls that are, you know, rolling into uni or they're leaving high school or, you know, all those sorts of things. And they think, oh, cool, I'll, you know, I want to give rugby a crack or they meet a friend or, um, you know, all those sorts of things come into action. So then, you know, we, we don't we don't have multiple grades. And, you know, this year we have been lucky and we, we have implemented a, a Women's Premier Reserve 10s grade, which, which has helped, like, um, sort of fill a little bit of a void um, in that space for some of our 15s teams still, you know, like our home girls that are just coming into rugby. And, you know, as a coach, I think that is a really challenging aspect is like, how can I meet the needs of all the players in this environment and what does that look like? Um, because you can't just roll in and you don't have a group of people that are all at the same experience or, or ability level. So you have to be like really creative on how you meet those needs, and and it can be around some some specific like goal setting or you know like through those relationships and those conversations that you you set stuff. So there might be stuff happening on the off the grass like for Sprotty and Mike with Kenge, um, and they might you know challenge her in, in different ways because you know she, she's in some really sort of high performance environments. So um, we're you know what can we be doing in a training to help a girl that's learning how to throw and catch a rugby ball for the first ever time you know totally new concept and for, for me as a coach I really um, focused on really small achievable goals so you know like heading into a week of training or a game it might just be around catch pass like that that's all I want from you is if you can catch potentially carry the ball and maybe pass it like absolute win um, and, and breaking it down in small bits but I guess you don't want to simplify your training too much that you lose the top end so I quite often will say to the players, like there'll be aspects of training that you'll get some really great content out and there'll be others that you think, okay, cool. But just enjoy those moments. 
So some of it might be if you're inexperienced, it just blows over your head and you're like, oh my gosh, like cool, maybe next season you'll, you, it'll all click and you'll get it. Um, and then same vice versa for the girls that are experienced, there'll be some stuff where you think, oh my gosh, like I've been doing this for 15 years. But like live in the moment and this is your moment to have some fun at training. Like this is your non-serious, you can share your knowledge, you can have a play around you, you can have a bit of fun. Um, and yeah, just, I guess, trying your best to meet those needs, whether it's the training that week or a the season um but challenge big yeah. challenge how do you balance it bro <laughs> but you're out there you're on the you're on the grass Liz and I uh, um we're, we're here watching from afar yeah yeah, yeah 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 behind the green seats but how do you like how do you balance it yeah just as Liz as Liz was talking a few a few ideas or a few thoughts just popped into my head and I guess challenge Challenge is relative. So if if you've only coached, say you've only coached elite elite males, yeah, right, and then you go into to a, an environment where, uh, say, like a tip three environment or um, you know a, a high school B team environment where there is a slightly larger range of of player ability, then you probably do only. You probably do see that as a really big challenge because you've only ever coached one certain type of player. Whereas, I guess you know the the Lizzers in the world and and the Mike Wilsons they've they've coached players at the top and they've coached players that have come along. Like literally, we had a we had a girl come down this year, or who was just at the park and um, I don't know. Mike saw her and he said, oh, "You played footy?" She goes, "Nah," and then he goes. Come give it a go, and she joined. <laughs> she, next training, she was there. Yeah, you know, and, and never played footy before. So, um, I suppose it's it goes down to your own ability to to a comprehend what the challenge is, be able to identify what the challenge is, and it is it is a challenge, right? You're, you're coaching players that have had significant uh, training and and um, experience in their in their playing careers, um, as well as at the other end, those that are that are brand new. But it's not to say that those players at the top, um, they don't, you know, it's not to say that they don't value learning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to be honest, if, if everyone in your environment values learning, then there is there is something for them to take away. And, and as a coach, it's around going, um, identifying who who your players are, for example, uh, for, for instance. Um, it helps if they also know who they are. So, uh, we've done a bit of work around the personality profiling and, and this year we've made a real effort to, to actually talk about the mental side of the game because as um, some of us are aware, you know, there's the performance triangle. So you've got your your mindset, your skill set and your structure. Yeah. What do we focus on most? It's skill set. And then second, it's structure. And then uh, we all do a little bit of mindset, yeah, yeah, yeah. which might be um, toughen up or, yeah. or, you know, like put your head in dark places or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. it might be. But actually putting a conscious yeah. bit into looking at, at that part of the game and, and going, again, we're, we're harping on a little bit about the relationship stuff, but knowing knowing who your players are so you can know, um, know if they like to be challenged, if they want to be put out of their comfort zone. Because I've got... I've got players in my own or our environment, we've got players in our environment that um, they don't want any positive feedback, right? Yeah. They just want to hear what's next. What, what, what can I improve on? Um, right. So if I, so if I, um, and that's not just to say that's the skill set or the structure stuff. Yeah. It's also the, well, you're, you're playing in a super rugby environment or an FBC environment. Uh, what are your aspirations? And, and they might, 
talk about leadership or they might yeah. talk about um, they want to be a coach one day. So it's okay, how can I how can I support you to develop those skills that aren't necessarily um, going to impact our game this week, yeah. but they'll impact our team environment hopefully positively over over the course of twelve to to twenty four months. And then it's the same at the other end of the spectrum. What what do you what what do you want to get out of this uh, yeah. experience? And and they might just say, oh, I I I want to fit in, or I want, I want some friendships, or I want to learn how to cross field kick like uh, Te Roa or Iwa, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so then it's going sweet. Now we've got a baseline. So now every time I I connect with um, you, it can be how many how many kicks you you done this today, and then if you connect with someone else who's wanting to develop their leadership. Then it's, uh, then it's around um, those outside of rugby tasks and homework and yeah, things yeah. that they can come and, and bring um, bring to you. Because I suppose as coaches and as teachers and, and people who who share knowledge, um, we sometimes get guilty of, of doing just that. We, we share first rather than hear first. Um, and then, yeah, if we flip that and we, and we listen and then share, um, then... <laughs> They'll, they'll feel the care. Yeah, yeah. There's care there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's um, that's wicked. And it kind of almost feeds in, um, and you've done enough of these courses alongside me, Liz, like that almost that achievement piece in that FABS model. Like if, if we look at what does achievement look like, um, and from what I'm picking up from both of you guys, like someone just new to the game, achievement could look like just run, catch, pass, off their left right hand and if they can complete that for the season hey what a wicked season that they've had um where you look at someone that is a little bit more experienced or how many opportunities did you did you get to show leadership and, and that type of stuff did we foster a, an environment that helped you grow your leadership and there goes your there goes another little bit of achievement but yet they're still but still on the same playing field, aren't they? They're not mm. kind of no one's outranking the other as yeah. as importance, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So yeah. again, it's um, you know, I spoke to a couple of uh, a couple of players this morning who who talked about that and and you know it's around creating friendships and, and relationships that um, that take away the hierarchy, yeah. And you know, um, and, and we use Ken just as an example, but it could be it could be anyone in that FPT or Black Ferns environment. Yeah. Where, um, you know, you hear people uh, giving them giving them a bit of stick or a bit of banter, you know, because no one's no one's position outranks anyone else. Yeah. Um, there's there's, and I, I suppose it goes back to there's still the respect part. Yeah. So if everyone respects everyone, then then you will acknowledge that. Uh, and and the way that you listen, or the way that you take in take in the knowledge that is being shared with you, or and, and that. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. Taking away the hierarchy is um, as as quite as quite important, or removing yeah. the feeling of a hierarchy because um, it's it's natural, right? Because yeah. there's there's coaches, um, and then there's there's a captain usually, and then there's you know different experience levels of players. Mm. How how to break that down is different in every in every environment, but um, that's again one of the challenges or, or opportunities as a coach, especially in the community game, yeah. um, where the where the gap and uh, and experience can be quite great. Yeah, and just for um, just so we all know, like we've highlighted some awesome work around kind of what um, 
well, you mentioned it just quickly before around that development tens team. You've now launched or you got off the ground finally a um, FPC development team that kind of will will help give those those skills that don't get to play um, or aren't selected in the FPC teams some opportunities to still carry on playing rugby this season so that they are ready. How, well, can you give us a rundown, Liz, on like some of the awesome other awesome stuff or or highlights some really really cool initiatives that you've that you've done because like you said or at the top of it you have got like a really good why not perspective around females like why can't we do this like what's stopping us um yeah I guess like I'm coming up two years in my role now um for a long time I was out in the community and always felt like I was banging my head against a brick wall or, you know, questioning why there weren't the right decisions or opportunities being granted um, when everything's kind of sitting in front of you. Um, probably what should lead to me coming into this role was like, I can't just be uh, the person complaining, like whether it's over at the end of the phone or, or, or via an email, um, that actually if I can get in and try and implement change, um, like wicked. Um you know, touching on just our, our new newest initiative around that uh, Canterbury Women's Development Space is that, you know, we, we currently have eight teams sitting in our premier competition, uh, women's teams, and we have for a good amount of time. Um, and we, we have brought in this uh, Prem Reserve Teams comp as well. And we've got this large pool of women playing across Canterbury, but one opportunity for outside club rugby to be involved at a representative level or even development level. Um, and if you think about the, I think was it like 38 players or something that got named yesterday in FPC um, and the amount of players we have registered at our clubs, like that's not great odds in terms of opportunity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pushed and pushed and pushed and said, cool. Um, the rest of the South Island were really keen for something extra as well. So Otago are running a development side. Uh, Southland women's are wanting to get into FPC. Like they're the same. They want to create opportunity for the girls that still live in their districts. Um, which has allowed us to kind of develop this really cool piece and be, be a part of. Um, everyone seems really, really excited and we've managed to get some great coaches on board. So obviously it's myself and then Fraggle or Melissa Roscoe, who's done FPC for the last, I think, five or six seasons. Um, and then Jimmy Sinclair as well. So um, some, some great knowledge and experience. And I think the girls are really excited to have, have something else outside of maybe a wider training um, like rotation over a few weeks and actually get out and play some games. Um, yeah, and then that Prem Reserve Teams, um, we've kind of been looking at it for the last probably couple of seasons around how can we grow the game. Some of our teams had some really large numbers, like um, UC, for instance, the high school old boys, you know, were getting into this position where they did have a really big overflow. You don't want to turn anyone away from the game. They come to your club for specific reasons, whether it's they live close or they've got friends there. Um, so what else could we be doing? We've got teams that wanted to re-establish or create the team for the first time. And like 15s is tough. Like to get probably yeah, 30-odd players that you need at least to try and make the season work. Um, that, that's that's rough when you're starting off. So we thought, actually, let's bite the bullet. All we can do is try it. Let's roll with the 10s and the, you know, hope we'll grow it to a 12s and then a 15s. Because, you know, 10s easy to get. You kind of need maybe 13 to 15 girls max, you know, rolling subs. It's about good time. It's about development. Um, and it's been really well received. Um, it's been awesome having some great Friday night footy with the girls taking the field um, for night games. 
seen Geraldine come into that space. So South Canterbury again didn't have a female um, women's competition, so nothing outside of high school meant they've been able to get involved um, and, and give something to their their communities. Um, our under 16s now has been going for we're in our fourth fifth season. Uh, originally started at under 16s, we promoted it to 17s because there was a really common trend of girls in that year 11 to 12 coming into rugby for the first time. Um, and some of them were either getting one season and having to move to women's or only having the opportunity to go straight into women's. Um, I think we're going to see the grade grow again next year um, just by the sounds of things. Um, and we should see another club um, entered into that space, which is exciting. Um, this year, we tried to put in an under-13 and an under-11s, um, and unfortunately, we somewhat unsuccessful. Um, successfully, we've had an under-13 team, which has been driven out of Christchurch, which is really, really exciting. Um, and I've also got an under-11 side, so they're really passionate about the growth of the women's game or female game in their club and promote it and try and create opportunity. And they've, they've jumped on this, um, and they've got some of their uh, women's club players uh, that are ex-FPC or current Blackburns and um, they're helping kind of coach and, and just install their love and knowledge of the game into these new girls, that, younger girls that are coming through. Um, in the under-11 space too, we also have uh, Rolleston and Lincoln that have jumped on board with a with a female side and um, they're just playing round robins in the, in the mixed grades. Um, but every few weeks are coming out and having a, a girl-on-girl game, which is really exciting for us. But um, you know, constantly looking for those ideas or ways that we can continue to grow the game and you know, like offer up the opportunity and whether it's from like we've been out and about with activators in primary schools to kind of promote rugby and, and give give not just girls but males as well taster of, of getting involved in the game um, to running sort of girls series and um, secondary girls, school girls sevens and our We've got our Miles Toyota Cup like competition still happening on a Wednesday. So like we are like if you look at us as a provincial union um and can compare comparison to the rest of New Zealand, like we are probably um doing really great in the female space. Um we're probably really lucky that uh, with a little bit of pushing, uh, people generally buy into the new ideas or allow us to give it a go. Um where I think in a lot of other provincial unions it is really tough and and people quite often say, actually, that's just that's too hard or it's too much work or we've tried that and don't bother. Um, where we're like, oh, well, let, let's give it a crack and, hey, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, what have we got to lose? Probably nothing. So, yeah, heaps heat, set, Nina. I probably rambled a little bit. but No, it's, it's cool. So there's there's a lot to unpack there, um, which is which is <laughs> Which is which is wicked. First of all, I just want to talk about that. Um, just real, real briefly, talk about that under thirteens team. So my son Cash and his um, under thirteen team had to play them um, just over the weekend. And by golly, like these boys, like they ended up winning. But I don't think the boys actually thought that the girls were going to be as physical as they were going to be. And yeah. it was wicked to see, like these girls just go out there and these young ladies just absolutely just express themselves and just get like go full boys into it and you just saw their faces like when the boys tried to run it straight at them and then they just like absolutely murdered them like <laughs> I'm on the side like going wow I need to tell Liz about that girl I need to tell Liz about this girl I need to talk to, talk to them about this like there was like some incredible like really free-flowing, expansive rugby. Like, so shout out to those coaches that are just um, at Christchurch that are just, like, 
training these girls to like really express themselves and um and have a lot of fun with their rugby. But yeah, like the boys when they came off, they I don't think the girls allowed let the boys in for a try at all in the second half. And they almost came that's that's how much the boys started going into the shower once as the girls started like warming up. And it was like it was just so wicked to see um and like even the coaches, and they did a really cool thing at the end actually. They um, and this probably goes back to how awesome um, was the great work at Christchurch, what they're doing within their junior space. But they awarded a player of the day to the opposition. Oh, nice! Yeah, that was like such a cool, a cool touch, um, touch there to be able to highlight someone from the opposition, which then kind of put the back foot on the put a, our coaches on the back foot and he was just like, oh, actually, we've got to do this. And and sure enough, they um, they they were pretty nimble on their feet like like old mate over here. Like they managed to find a bag of lollies and and they awarded themselves um, a player of the day. But it was just so wicked to see, yeah, like I said, to see those skills out there. Um, and the next part that I just really want to touch on is like we know – it's one of those things, you said it really well, um, if we don't do it, we don't know, but if we do, do do it, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, if we don't do it, like, nothing's going to happen, but if we do do it, like, something magic can happen. And I think that's that's really cool that you've got the, um, that you've got that tennis side development, um, development stuff going because, like you said, I've worked in the male space and even um, trying to get 30 males that have played rugby to actually turn up to training is mm. a friggin' nightmare. Um, so trying to get girls that aren't traditionally rugby players, like that there is a, like the amount of work and the amount of passion for coaches and RDOs and, and yourself, Liz, to actually go out there and like really push and advocate for how amazing women's rugby can be or female rugby can be for, for our sport. Not and and I mean our sport in general as in rugby. Like you look at you look at it now, like it's it's becoming way cooler. All of a sudden, we've, we've got a coach that came out of hockey, now a rugby coach. <laughs> you know, like the the crossovers, like because you, like you're probably coaching just coaching, and now it's just like like the X's and O's are the X's and O's mm. when it comes to rugby. But like how wicked that you've you've come from hockey and then transitioned into female rugby. Like there goes a new coach, and we're struggling for coaches already. Like, how wicked is that now? With now our coaching IQ or our coaching talent pool, we can start picking like the fraggles. And how awesome someone like Steph Broomhall coming in now to Blair's group. Like now we can, like I did a little bit of work with her, and she is like, her mind just blows me away. The way that she thinks and the way that she gives feedback, like it's just she gets it. And like mm-hmm. it's so cool. Like conversations, like back in the days, we probably would never have conversations um, as coaches with with female coaches. But now, now there seems to be a cool week crossover. Is that what you you see there in your? You obviously work for Sport Canterbury. Like, are you seeing that a lot in your space now? Yeah, I I think it goes back to what we were talking around in the women's space where there's a there's a gap in terms of um, player X is really experienced uh, and then player Y is having their first their first time and, and there's there is that quite wide gap and I think the with coach development 
our, our coaches that are that are great people as well. They they are you know they're excelling, you know, like the Steph Broomhalls, like the Liz Worthingtons, and 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 the likes. And and I suppose what we may need to look at as a, as a community, as a coaching community, is the is not just the entry point to coaching because uh, a lot of people get into coaching because of of uh, their kids or their friends' kids or whatever that may be. But it's that it's those that um, and maybe that next level where their kids are a little bit older. How do we how do we keep those coaches in the sport or in in coaching, whether it's rugby or, or hockey or ultimate frisbee? Um, how do we keep those coaches in in the game? And again. Give, ensuring that life is easy for them and, and giving them what they need. And I, I suppose part of the conversation um, in, in my building has been around how do we how do we connect coaches to other like-minded um, coaches? So those that, uh, for you know, for example, those that have talked about like um, like uh, the Livos and and this wife Anna. How do how do we connect those to to other groups of of excelling coaches in that space as well as looking at the wider spectrum and going how do we how do we connect the those ripper coaches to a community of ripper coaches where they can they can share ideas and and challenges and uh, challenges and successes because. Um, Sometimes when you're coaching and, and Liz uh, and, and Ricky yourself, you may have felt this where you go, man, the whole world is on my shoulders or I feel like an mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but if, and I suppose the, the benefit that, that we have had has, has been that we've had someone um, who's been along the ride with us the, the whole way, whether it's another coach or, or someone to lean on. And, and that's been really important for me. That was, that was Jimbo. Um, being able to pick up the phone and just say, man, I'm really struggling with this. And uh, it may be a tech-tech thing. It may be uh, either you actually communicated with your players or, or whatever that, that may be and just having that other voice or someone to catch up for coffee with or a group yeah. of people because um, as as we get older and yeah, like, yeah. you know, get a few few grey hairs, we, <laughs> that, yourself, we, we, spend, <laughs> we, really, we really value the time that we get to connect because as adults, yeah. Uh, what what did Blair say the other day? I think Blair mentioned that BB mentioned um, that as a child, as a child, you smile. I think it's two hundred times per day, and as an adult, it is that's significantly less. It's like thirty or, or forty times a day, or whatever the, the number might be. But there's a, it's about finding those opportunities to smile, to smile and, yeah. and connect. And um, and as as a coaching community, that's certainly something that that I I see as as an opportunity for for us to to look at retaining coaches not necessarily a way of promoting getting into coaching but uh, a way that we've we've got these coaches here who are coaching for whatever reason how do we ensure that they're getting what what they need um at, like you say at, at their ability that and, and stage yeah. of coaching yeah that's that's wicked and um i probably like you you just mentioned jimbo is one of those guys that you that you go to and talk to um, and Liz, you've got a whole heap to smile about after all these awesome initiatives that you've just, um, you've not single-handedly, but you've definitely helped pioneer these, um, this, this work, like you've done all the hard stuff to make the easy stuff um, easier. Um, who's someone that you you go to to, like, help you? Like, who's your mentor you're coaching, you're coaching people that you connect with? Um. Yeah, 
great question. Um, I, in terms of what, around my coaching, um, I guess for me at the moment with being in the office, like I have the ability to kind of bounce ideas or ask questions. And obviously Jimmy was once in our office and um, again, like just a really easy person to ask a question or he might challenge you a little bit on something that's happening or just someone that you could vent to. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, probably bring in a little bit more of a logical lens because unfortunately being female, I run on on emotions uh, (laughs) quite often. So (laughs) Um, I think I think it's one of those things that um, you know, like I do rely a lot on on the com- coaching community and the community within the women's game, and um, I love having those conversations um, with, with coaches on the grass, or if I've got a question, or um, the ability to kind of come and observe their trainings, and and it kind of helps me me grow as a person. Um, yeah, I for for a long time too, like Whitney. Uh, Hanson was that person. Uh, fortunately, she's a very busy lady uh, these yeah. days, so don't kind of get to connect as much as we used to. Um, and she was just probably someone who um, I think she just kind of believes in anyone. Like she will see the good and and what you've got to offer, and absolutely will like uplift you to be the best version of of who you are, whether that's a coach or a player. Um, and I think that's why she's been so successful um, in her journey. Um, but she was just someone that would like bring me up and make sure I was okay or how I was going or hey look there's this opportunity like I absolutely can can you be on board with this and um yeah just kind of really made me feel like I belonged in that space um you know being a female coach in a very prominently like male game um you know I've attended a million coaching courses where there's 30 to 40 men in the room and, and maybe one or two females if I'm lucky um so kind of feel like I've, I've kind of had to claw my my way to stay in the game because you could just easily um I think feel really overwhelmed or that whole imposter syndrome sets in that you're probably not good enough and oh maybe I don't know as much as these people that are sitting next to me and you know what have I got to offer and you know people like Whitney that be like hang on a minute like or, or Jimmy you, you know you've got plenty to offer and this is it and I think I think as a coach, just being really aware that like being unique and offering something different is really cool because like yeah, like you said, anyone could probably go in and deliver the, the tech tech stuff. Like that stuff you can learn off the internet, you could Google it, you can get a drill. But like all the interpersonal stuff, like making training is really cool, like making sure everyone's like it's a really inclusive environment, like all those kind of skills, like they can't be taught. Um so yeah, like I just kind of really grateful for those people that at the times where I thought oh okay now I'm not going to go any further like I'm not worthy of it or or whatever have kind of picked me up and being like nah come on oh mate you've got this like you're you're here for a reason and you're better than you think so yeah yeah yeah, grateful for those people in my circle but yeah like everyone in our you know female environment is pretty supportive and you can roll up to a game and every majority of us will chat and connect and it, it, it is a lot like a family like most of us know players across other teams and you know the rivalries when the game's on but inside and outside of that like mates like chat catch up get on give a bit of banter like really good times yeah well um there's one thing you don't have to worry about and that's being an imposter pal like I've seen you I've seen you operate and you're an absolute um genius out there so uh you're definitely not an imposter <laughs> Oh, thanks. Um, sweet. So we're gonna we're gonna move on or um, we'll change tack a little bit. I guess um, 
it's a little bit around, uh, yeah, kind of like what's next for the female game or what you see next. So um, I might ask you this one, Liz. You've got a magic wand and you've got, and it's only good for three wishes. What are you using them on in regards to female rugby? Um, I think the first one for me here in Canterbury um, would be that we would see our women's teams have an under-17s or our under-17s would have women's teams. Um, ultimately, like I just want to create pathways uh, for our females in our, com- in our community here in Canterbury. Um, and I think like having that partnership of um, that natural progression, um, you buy into a club, like clubs somewhere you be- you belong, they're your whanau, like you build those relationships. And and if we can get that from from, from a younger age, um, I think that would be something really, really special. Um, you know, if we've seen a new club do that this year in terms of, of creating a women's space, so people wouldn't have been really successful. Um, and finally, I think after three seasons, um, sort of meeting that dream, um, and there's yeah, just a few other clubs now. Um, obviously, you, you see are in a unique position. They are a university and don't offer kind of intermediate rugby, um, but at, at times they have talked and toyed with the idea. Um, but around with them, it could be building a partnership with the, with the local high schools around them um, and, and creating that natural flowing progression. So for, for me, that would be wish one. Yeah. Um, wish two... I guess ultimately, like I just would love to see that equality happen in our game across the board. Um, I think quite often at a top level, we promote to clubs and stuff, this is what you should be doing and this is how you should be incorporating your female program and you need to be mindful that they have just as much as you have one means or whatever, but I don't think we're promoting that well at a high level. Um, so us at the top are saying, you must do it this way, but then we're not actually like mirroring that or, or um, role modelling that to our yeah. communities. Um, so like, and, and I think that's regardless of its male, female game, I think it should be like equal across the board, whichever way it potentially goes. Um, you know, for a long time, our female athletes, coaches, like literally voluntary, they're, they're working full-time jobs. They are putting in so much time and energy and, and are, are yet to be rewarded for it, but are still really hungry and are still there. Um, but, but for how long, like how long is that sustainable, um, you know, probably not, and, and and we're getting into a time and space where I think it's time to make that shift. Um, and I said, if we can do that at the top, then then absolutely our club should be following suit. Um, and then the third wish, oh, it can't gosh. be giving yourself a pay rise. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um. Uh, I don't know. I guess for me, my third wish would be that that collectively, like in the South Island, I think we should work better, um, that we would come together and, and create really great outcomes for females. We're really lucky in Canterbury and we have a massive pool of probably resources and players and um, probably a little bit more around funding and all sorts of things. And, you know, there's some Heartland unions that sit just on the edge of us that, that don't have those luxuries. They don't have as many staff as us. They don't have probably as many great resources that we do have in our communities. And like, ideally, I would just love to see us actually come together and work together as a collective for the female game instead of being like segregated unions. Um, I don't think that creates great great outcome for, for the females. And I think for the development we're seeing now with Matatu, it's even more important we, we do that now. Um, you know, I have 
other unions come into me all the time that need some specific like coaching or they want some really prominent experienced female coaches to come in and deliver to their females because they just don't have that resource quite often we're restricted but I always wonder why so if I could make wave that wand uh, and get that over the line I would be one happy lady yeah now that's cool that that's some awesome answers and yeah I guess because because um because it is just comes down to just us wanting to just help the game grow and obviously help that female space grow once we get it to to a certain point we can then kind of just start pulling back and then we can focus on our own our own neck of the woods and let the um let those other unions that we are helping or even those other teams um if we are helping because there's there's some wicked stuff high school old boys in maris doing some cool stuff working together and stuff like that so then we can like let clubs start working working separately but together um i guess one question for you sprotty bro what do you love about this space like what is it that like next year you picking up the whistle again and going again maybe <laughs> well, I, I guess, yeah. As I've as I've sort of mentioned um, throughout, this is yeah. the only space I I have known. And I suppose, um, what's that? What's that thing from uh, Shawshank Redemption? We institutionalised, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. where um, the the woman's game is is a part of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. To leave to leave the women's game would be to leave leave a part of me behind. So yeah. that's that's I suppose the connection the connection I have um, to the space. But to be honest, it's it's the energy. Yeah. Like um, people talk about time management and stuff, but it, uh, I like to think of it around energy management and and where are you putting your energy? And um, the reason why I dedicate. Um, and I'm not the only one, but yeah. the reason why I, I choose to dedicate a lot of time to the to the female space is because um, the the more energy I give, the more I get back. And yeah. um, and the best thing about being well, it can be the best and worst thing is you know you're one coach catering to like you guys are talking about 30, 30 players yeah. uh, with thirty different needs and thirty different values and um, and and all that. But when when you get it right, you get uh, like 30 times the energy and, and, and 30 times the, the love and and that's why and that's why you keep coming back to any environment because yeah. any anything that provides uh, value or, or that feeling of, of goodness is something that you're going to do again so that's that's the whole find find what you love and, yeah. and keep doing it so um, that's yeah, that's that's what drives me. No, that's wicked. All right, we've got a quick fire segment because I know that you've got to um, you've got to get going to your to your next bit, Liz. So um, you're inviting three people for dinner, and maybe you bought, you guys can have a little dinner party since you've you've been on your coaching journey together. So um, you've got six people coming for dinner, and you've got a two course meal. I need a main and a dessert. Oh, um, a main, a yeah. main. I always think if, um, if I always use that, if, if Jacinda was coming around to your house <laughs> tonight. So it's Jacinda one of your guests? No, nah, she wouldn't be one of my guests. Sorry, sorry, Cindy. Sorry, Cindy. Uh, I, I asked a similar question last night, but it's around um, Graham Norton. Yeah. Not one be one for me because I love I love huge personalities. Yeah. Because believe it or not, I know I've spent the last hour and a half talking, but 
Uh, I, I love to listen and, and hear stories. I love I love great orators and, and storytellers. And yeah, so so Graham Norton would be one. Michelle Obama is another one. Just uh, I haven't read her book, but I know plenty of people who have. So it felt, feels like I have read the book. And yeah, uh, she sounds yeah. like she can tell a, a good story and not afraid to tell um, bad stories about uh, famous people. Yeah, so yeah. you know okay. that'd, be, that'd be a good night. And then oh oh the the last one. The last one would probably be, um, oh, to be honest, I think it would be, I'd probably get in trouble for saying this, but I'd have to invite, I'd have to get Jimmy in there. Jimmy. Jimmy. He, yeah. Um, Mate. Yeah. Talk about big personalities. Yeah. <laughs> Who are your three people, Liz? Who are you inviting along? Um, gosh, I would, number one pick probably would be, um, Pink. Uh, yeah. I just think that she seems to have a, a great personality, like loves to kind of push the boundaries or just authentically be herself. Um, and just think, yeah, she'd just rock up and, and be a really great time. Um, like outside of that, I think like um, my 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 first initial thought, and he's not even alive anymore, was Michael Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, that's fine. Like, we can have MJ. Cool. Uh, yeah. Always like it was like first ever CD like I bought growing up, and I just like love his music and think he's cool, and he's just like I guess really quirky. And um, I'm a real sucker for the person that's really like reserved or different, and and love getting to know them and what makes them tick and, and the, the actual person, not not what's on the outside. So I was like, okay, cool. Like having him there would be really awesome. Yeah. Um, and then uh, number three would be um, probably Josh Cronfeld. So huh. I – a friend of mine's done quite a bit of coaching. Uh, she's a female coach herself with him um, and just said, like, he is just, he's, he's done some seven stuff with the girls here and um, just a real magic person, a real advocate, I think, for females, uh, whether it's players or coaches and just a really uplifting person. But just, yeah, again, some of those stories that he's got to tell and being able to, like, kind of pick his brain and, and gain some knowledge and insight would just be, would be awesome. It'd be wicked. And so you're cooking, apparently you're cooking mains, you just said that. So what are you cooking for mains? You're on dessert. Well, this is, yeah, as, as you'll notice, uh, my last my last guest, it was a tactical decision because, yeah. mate, there's there's no better or more passionate chef than Mr. Jimmy Sinclair. Oh. Yeah, and he's going to provide, he's going to provide the, the music, the record, yeah. the record player. We've got yeah. the Fat Freddy's playing. Yeah. And I reckon, I reckon Jimmy's cooking up. I reckon Jimmy's cooking up. Uh, oh, we want a BB's uh, knockies. Oh, gnocchi. Yeah, BB's got a so you're, so so you pass, you're passing it on, passing the buck on to Jimmy to be cooking. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's <laughs> how you get the, the brother along. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do what he loves best. Yeah. Right? And Liz, I guess you're on dessert. What are you cooking? Yeah, I was just kind of anticipating some kind of fish dish when you said that Jimmy was going to cook with the amount he gets out spearfishing in bits and pieces. But yeah. surprise me, uh, surprise me with the gnocchi. Uh, probably for dessert for me, I would rock with, I don't know, like, oh, it's kind of thinking like a creme brulee because I really love them, and, uh, right. or a lemon meringue pie, or chocolate sauce or pudding, um, or... Uh, 
Jeez, a wee tasting plate by the yeah. sounds oh, of that. Like, absolutely. There you go. Yeah. Like a little little mini uh, bits of, of of those delicious desserts would absolutely rock um, yeah. with some really nice, I guess, homemade vanilla bean ice cream, but I love vanilla oh. ice cream. So. Yeah. I know. Wicked. All right, Liz, this one's for you. Who's your... Who's the best coach you've had and why? Um, probably the best coach that I've ever had was my dad. Yeah. Um, so growing up, my dad was real passionate sportsman. I played rugby his whole life, ran marathons forever. Um, unfortunately, I think he hoped when he got a son and a daughter that the son was going to be really sporty. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I was a real daddy's girl, so I was like, okay, cool. I'll take one for the team and I'll play sport. Yeah. Um, but like just super knowledgeable, like he's um probably back in I guess a really traditional setting was just really around having fun and uplifting players. Um it was always built around like it didn't matter how you kind of as long as you got out there and gave it your best and you had fun. Um would love like a great chat throughout the week around I guess how things went or, or he was always full of praise like it was never that you didn't do this enough it was always like oh have you thought about you know doing this differently or kind of challenging your own thinking um and yeah I think right up until he had a cardiac arrest about six years ago like actively was at everything like yeah. would turn up whether it was mine or if my brother did do anything or once I had kids, like he, he was the guy at trainings, at um, at games, at, you know, um, you know, quite often just up until recently, I think Rolleston Rugby Club have finally given up on trying to talk him into coaching. Yeah. Um, but he said, I, there's, there's no way I want to coach unless it's for a specific reason, if it was for, you know, one of his kids or, or his grandkids. But yeah. Yeah, he'd be my ultimate, ultimate coach. That's wicked. And uh, Sproddy, what's one of your favourite rugby memories um, coaching that you've had? Oh, coaching, coaching. Jeez, uh, there's been some some real good, some real good trips. Um, some good trips with the Ford Foundation girls down to Oamaru. Uh, coaching in the final this weekend was a really special experience. There was uh, it was my first time coaching in, in the women's final, um, but a lot of a lot of our girls had actually had either been there or been there and, and done the job. So yeah. it was it was cool to actually learn, and and you know I I felt like the player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and and it was almost like I was learning learning off them. And I, I guess uh, the, the way that the girls performed in, in the weekend, I was I was massively massively proud. Even though we didn't get the result, um, it just it filled me with absolute. Um, with with pride and um, and ecstasy around seeing a g- group of girls that I've worked with for the last six months just absolutely come together and and like play like there was no tomorrow and um, the before the game Mike Mike Ben and I as the coaches we usually yeah almost paper scissors rock to see who does the coaches chat at the start yeah and and they're usually they're usually pretty straightforward or, yeah. and and game focused and i decided i said early on in the week i said give me give me that time and, yeah, yeah and it was nothing about rugby i just i went to i just it was all about um letting out the emotion and yeah uh and i suppose inspiring myself as well as hopefully inspiring the girls yeah. and yeah just basically bring some energy so that's that's certainly a moment that I'm that I'm proud of, as well as sorry another another moment this year, um, 
like I've really developed, or I've really been trying to develop my vulnerability and, and sharing because there's there's a lot of people out there in the community that that know me, but they don't know anything about me. Yeah. And so with with the girls this year, I, I made a real big effort to to share and and um I we actually got to play suburbs at suburbs, which was where I played my first game of under fifth. Oh, it was my first game of club rugby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and um yeah, got to share that that story with the girls and. Yeah, um, yeah. Just just coaching coaching an awesome group of girls this year yeah. has been fantastic. But um, yeah, it's hard to nail down one, and that's why I've given you about fifteen. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's all good. Yeah, no, that's wicked. Um, Liz, um, actually, this is for both of you guys. Just real quick, what's one bit of advice you'd give a young a young Liz starting out on her coaching journey? Um. One piece of advice would be just to absolutely grab hold of anything that comes your way. So any opportunity, any support, any potential relationship in terms of building that with coaches, like take it, like take that opportunity. You never know where it's going to take you, where it's going to end up, but it's going to absolutely help grow you uh, as a coach and probably 100% inspire you uh, to carry on with your journey and growing. Yeah, that's wicked. And Sproddy, what's one bit of what's one bit of advice you'd give a young Sproddy starting on his mm. coaching journey? Young, young Sproddy, young Sproddy would be um, it would be around take yeah, take take your opportunities and um, don't be don't be such a don't be such a scaredy cat, you know and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if, if you say if you say no to things, then like I think Liz was alluding to before, then then nothing will happen. Yeah. Um, so so say say yes to things that come along your way, and uh, and and the other thing too, which I'd probably tell anyone is leave your ego, like take your ego hat off. Uh, everyone everyone wears a hat with the three letters on it, EGO. So if you can remove that, then you'll you'll be open, you'll be vulnerable, and. Um, and you'll be accessible. You'll you'll be inclusive, and, and all those and all those quality things that people that people enjoy being around. So, yeah, that's that's my advice. That's wicked. Um, I guess the final question, um, just real from your perspective, um, Liz, and I'll and I'll get your answer too, Scotty. Is what does being a coach mean to you? Um, for me, being a coach, it just gives me a real strong sense of purpose and belonging. Um, I don't. I think when you get to a place in your life where you can probably no longer compete as an athlete, um, you kind of miss those connections. Like some great friendships come out of playing sport and being a part of a team. And I think giving being a coach allows you to still have that. Um, you know, like it just. You know, you can't beat you can't beat that. You know, turning up and everyone's kind of stoked to see you, or you know, your special team handshake, or um, you know, the songs you play before a game, and being a part of all that and part of the journey. And like Spotty said for him on the weekend, like you know, getting to that grand final. Like if if you can no longer be an athlete, like being a coach is absolutely the next best thing. Um, you don't miss out. You get to gain. I think um, it's best best job. Yeah, wicked, Spotty. Yeah, what is what does being a coach mean to me? I guess I came up with I came up with something three 
a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, and I, I wrote it down and I remember um, I was in a bit of a bit of a tough spot and then I wrote down, uh, your life is not your own. And at the time, I didn't really understand what I meant by it, but I think it was around like, what Liz just talked about there, um, around giving, you know, because I'm, I'm really privileged uh, in my life to have been given a lot. Like I haven't had to really ask for anything because I've been handed everything on a, on a silver platter. And um, so, yeah, I guess that's what coaching means to me. It's around giving, giving everything I have to to others and, and the benefit of others and the enjoyment of others. And that's probably why I proudly wear, you know, the Sport Canterbury logo and um, catering and, and working alongside great coaches, you know, work in the Canterbury system and even university and, and even the underage system where, um, where I, I get an opportunity to give to as many people as, as possible, whether they are players or referees or other coaches or spectators and parents and things. It's yeah. Uh, that's, that's what coaching means to me. Oh, that's wicked. Um, this has been awesome. It's been um, like, I'm super, I guess, super energized and been super pumped just having this conversation with you guys, I guess, just to kind of touch on your one, there's a little fucking toki that I got um, taught um that kind of sums up what you're talking about and also that fits in well with um what Liz was talking about. So so it's it's kukwe, kuo, kuo, kukwe. So what's yours is mine, brother. And Liz, sis, what and what's so what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. So um like we're here for each other. Um and to have such two magnificent um advocates for female sport um and and in particular female rugby kind of doing some wicked stuff in the UC space and obviously wicked stuff out there in the in the red and black community, Liz, like on behalf of the community and, and everybody, like thank you very much for sharing your stories and sharing your time with us. It's been um it's been a wicked privilege. And if anybody wants to get into coaching or female sport, make sure you um you get in contact with Liz or head down to UC and, and see Scotty. But there's um clubs out there wanting to um take you all on. So um Thanks, team, and um, I'll let you guys go. It's been Thanks, wonderful. Ricky. Bye-bye. Cheers, Thanks, Freddie. Sweet. Cheers. Bye.